We've been in a series on prophecy, and we're talking all about prophecy, the prophetic. We're talking about all this stuff, but I really thought I would take a moment to interrupt this regularly scheduled program on prophecy and actually prophesy. I had a really hard time sleeping last night, but it wasn't because I was uncomfortable. It wasn't because I was... I don't know. I just really heard the Lord speaking to me over and over. And it was kind of this, I could doze off for a minute and I felt him kind of nudge me a little bit and say, hey, 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 hey. I want you to know how important this is to me. That's what I kept hearing him say to me. I want you to know how important this is to me. God sent us to this city five years ago, almost exactly five years ago now. Most of you have heard the story, you know something about it, but it was, it was a big move for us. It was a very challenging, life-changing move for us. And the first year here was incredibly difficult. The kind, of, the kind of difficult that when you face those things, if you don't have a word from the Lord, you want to run back to where you came from. Like the people of Egypt face the difficulty, and what do they want to do? They want to run right back to Egypt because it looks easier. But we had a word from the Lord that we are going to see transformation in this city. I had a dream about it in 2004. I had heard the Lord speaking to us about Orlando in 1999. In 2004, I had a dream about it. In 2005, I had a vision about it. Now, I'm not saying that it's all about us transforming this city. It's the body of Christ that's going to do it. And I have a part in this. And it's not, I'm not going to make it any bigger than it is, but at the same time, I'm not going to make it any smaller than it is. I have a big part in this. But last night, I kept feeling the Lord shaking me and reminding me of this. He was bringing back like snapshots of these visions and these dreams that I had had. One that I had had in 2004, the vision I had in 2005. And I hear him say to me, Andrew, this is not an option. It's not just an option. You can do this if you want. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, this is what it's about. So I'm saying that to you because I want to exhort you this morning. Remember what exhortation is? Exhortation is calling you alongside. We talked about that last week. So I'm exhorting you this morning and I'm saying, I'm calling you alongside with me. We are going somewhere as a church. We are going to see transformation in this city. To whatever degree, to whatever geographical area God gives us, we're going to see it in this city. I will not give the rest of my life to doing pretty good church. I can go do something else, have it a whole lot, be a whole lot easier on my life. A whole lot easier. Doing church stuff, pastoring and stuff, that's not the easiest thing. I tell people, if you want to do that, just make sure you got a clear word from the Lord before you do it. Pastoring, church planting, all that stuff. All it is is a series, an ongoing series of near-death experiences. (laughs) Think you might die and afraid you won't. So I could do other things and I could be more relaxed, but I'm saying this to you this morning because I want to call you alongside and I want to ask you the question, are you okay with being uncomfortable? Are you okay with being challenged? Really? Are you okay with that? Because what I'm doing is I'm prophesying over you this morning that we will be a part of a greater movement in this Orlando area that will see sustained revival. And it will be very, very difficult for people to go to hell because they're going to have to choose it. They're going to have to choose it because heaven is so real right in front of them. 
And that's what I want to bring. I want to bring heaven to this earth, make it so real that what people see is that reality more than this reality. Had a conversation with my dad last week, and he said, son, what do you feel like your life is about? Now, this is unusual for my dad to ask questions like this, those probing kinds of questions. But he said, what do you feel like your life is about? And before I could even think, I said, I want the church to see heaven as that reality more than this earthly reality. Because when, when you see that, my job is done. You catch a glimpse of what heaven really looks like, and all of a sudden you're sold out, and you're going, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. You guys with me? So I'm prophesying over that, and I'm saying, Lord, we will step into our role that you have assigned for us as Acts 2 Church to see transformation brought into the city. And Lord, I say start in my own house. Start in my own six square feet. Right here. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, and I'm saying in front of you, Lord, I'm okay with you challenging me. I'm okay with you making me very uncomfortable. I'm okay with looking like a fool. I'm okay with my theology getting challenged. All I know is I got you, and you're the best thing ever. Right? We okay with that? I got you. You're the best thing ever. I look at you, Jesus, and I say, you've changed my life. You've absolutely, positively, without a doubt, you've changed my life. I once was lost, now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I can see. I want to see more. I want to see more. I feel like there's a commissioning in it, and I don't know exactly how to do it, but I feel like there's a commissioning for us that God is putting on us to see this thing happen. But the thing is, guys, we can't just say on a Sunday morning, I accept this, walk out the door and forget it. There has to be a shift, a profound shift in the way we think. This is the renewing of the mind. This is the repositioning. Hold your hands out with me. If you're with me here, just hold your hands up with me and say, God, you can do whatever you want. Now, this is scary. God, you can do whatever you want with me. Say it. God, you can do whatever you want with this church. Yeah, that's good. I am not interested, Jesus, in building sandcastles and calling it the kingdom. I'm not interested in building straw huts and then saying, look at this wonderful thing that we've done. I'm not interested in building the church. Last I checked, that was your job, Jesus. You just gave us keys to the kingdom. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. We're saying yes to you. We're saying yes to you and giving you carte blanche. We're signing our name on the bottom of a document that isn't even filled in yet. We're holding you to your word, Lord. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be filled. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Now, here's what you need to do. Pay attention. Let your awareness of life in general, just when you walk out this door, when you go to get lunch, when you go to sleep tonight, when you wake up in the morning, whatever you're doing, it is, whatever you're doing on Labor Day, I beg you, 
to let your mind be aware of what Jesus is doing every moment. What are you doing? Where are you going? What do you want to say? What do you want to do today? Do you think we can do this as a church, that we can let our minds be changed so that we don't just compartmentalize our church life over here and then go do our normal thing, but that with everything that we're doing, we're continually, constantly, consistently aware where prayer doesn't become something that's a moment, it's a movement. Where prayer becomes something that it's constant, even in the middle of a conversation you're having with a friend or your children or your spouse or whoever, a, someone over the phone discussing business, you're so aware of the person of Jesus speaking to you right there that there's no, there's no such thing as a two-party conversation anymore. It's always a three-party conversation because Jesus is right there. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You ever run into people in the church like that where you talk about things and all of a sudden you find out they're a Christian and they find out you're a Christian and you talk about Jesus, but you talk about him like he's some kind of mutual friend, but he's not in the room with us. That should change the conversation completely. It should change it to where we begin to prophesy over each other because Jesus is standing right there in the middle of us. Isn't that wonderful? That's why we're covering this stuff on prophecy. I am not interested in filling your heads with a bunch of information. I got, I got no joy in that. That does nothing for me. Not to mention, I can fill your head with all this information. God could come tweak it, and I'd have to come change it anyway and give you other information. I'm giving you information so you can chew on it, so you can go look in the Word, so you can find it for yourself. But the thing is about prophecy, prophecy is not... Well, let me put it this way. God doesn't speak in English. It's not His primary language. His primary language is love. And if prophecy is born out of that language right there, you know you're going to hit home every single time because it's born out of love. We have wonderful passages of Scripture like 1 Corinthians 14. And if you have your Bibles, you need to turn there real quick. 1 Corinthians 14, which talks about order in the church. But we've taken these types of passages and we've turned them into structures where we essentially say, Jesus, you can show up here and you can show up here and you can show up here. But we've got it other than that. And not understanding that his primary language is love. I think it's really, really interesting that you find 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where he lists all the gifts. We talked about them last week, right? He lists all the gifts and he says, pursue these things. And then in chapter 14, he talks about how the structure in the church is supposed to work, but sandwiched right in between them is 1 Corinthians 13. And it says, though I can speak with the tongues of men and of angels and I don't have love, it profits me nothing. I sound like a symbol going off. Now, if I were to walk over there and hit that symbol really hard just by itself... It would sound awkward and loud. You put it in the context of the greater church where there's love in it and it sounds wonderful, right? You hear them all the time on Sunday mornings. You probably don't even know it, but it's in the context of something greater. This is how prophecy is supposed to work. It works only through, well, not only, it works best through the primary language of God himself, which is love. 1 Corinthians 14, everybody got that? Verse 29, let's look at that one first. Verse 29. Here he's talking about order in the church. Now, as we do this, as we should do with all scripture, don't ever interpret scripture outside of love. The most dangerous Christians are those who interpret scripture and they're not madly in love with Jesus. 
they're the most dangerous people on the planet. You think the wicked, the lost are dangerous? No. The most dangerous people on this planet are people who say, I believe in Jesus, but they interpret scripture outside of love. They're incredibly dangerous. Here in verse 29, he's talking about how the prophetic should work. And he says this, let two or three prophets speak. We talked about that last week, the difference between prophecy and the prophet. Prophets in office. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can what? All prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What's he saying here? Do you see how the context of prophecy is supposed to work? It works in the context of relationship. It works in the context of relationship. I can't stress this enough. Really good prophecy works in the context of relationship. God's not looking just to prophesy to give us information. He's giving us prophecy so that he can draw us all into a deeper relationship with him. And if you're in a relationship with Jesus, guess what? You're in a relationship with the body and you can't do anything about it. There's no such thing as Jesus and me. Hello? There's no such thing as just Jesus and me. You've got a really distorted body if you look at it like that. If it were Jesus and me, it would be like being the head and a finger. That's a really awkward looking person, isn't it? Jesus or prophecy works best between Jesus and the body. It's all designed to be in relationship. As a matter of fact, if you get to the, the minor prophet Malachi, he's the last prophet before we have 400 years of silence before Jesus comes on the scene. And one of the last things he says is, I'm going to send you a prophet in the spirit of Elijah who will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Isn't that interesting? Why Elijah? Elijah is known for being the example of the prophets. Hello? Jesus, throughout his life, at his birth, you see him in multiple places through the life of Jesus. You see Moses and Elijah showing up. Why Moses and Elijah? Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And he says, I will send you one in the spirit of Elijah, the prophets, who will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. What is he saying? He's saying ultimately prophecy, the prophet itself, it works best in the context of relationship. And true prophecy will bring people together. Hearing, as far as hearing the Lord, hearing is something every person can do, but not every person hears everything. I don't hear everything when I hear the Lord. You guys, you, you guys with me on that? You, are you like that? You don't hear everything when you hear the Lord. Why? Because I, it says we know in part and we prophesy in part. If I hear something, what I need to do is get around other people, share what I'm hearing from the Lord, and see if there's the gaps in there are going to get filled in with what other people are bringing. Every person hears, but not every person hears everything. The Lord's always speaking, though, isn't he? The Lord is always speaking. He's more determined to speak than we are to listen. This is why we need to have this change of the way that we think. We can't compartmentalize life outside of him. There is no such thing. Everywhere I go, when I walk out of my house to my pool, when I walk out of my house to my car, when I get in my car and I drive to the auto parts store to pick up something for my car, everything that I do has to have an awareness of Jesus speaking in an ongoing way. Hello? This is really fun when it's like this. 
And when we push him back and say, I don't need you now, I can take care of this. After all, I'm just going to the store to get something here. I really don't need you right now. Now, none of us would say that. But we buy our actions, oftentimes we do that. We just kind of put him in the back seat or something and go do what we need to do. He's always speaking. He's more determined to speak than we are to, li- to listen. And he wants to speak to us in a language that we can understand. How many of you would say, it's been difficult for me to hear the Lord in times? at times? Yeah, me too. I've been in places like that. Here's what I've discovered. It's not because God's not speaking. It's not because God's not speaking. It's because I'm allowing something to be more important than him. And, out, and what I've actually done is I've allowed something to become an idol in my life. If I'm having a hard time hearing the Lord, one of the first places I go to is, what am I putting up before him? Is this helping you this morning? What am I putting up before him? An idol is something, anything that you're going to have to check with before you can say yes to Jesus. It's anything that you're going to have to go think about for a while before you can hear Jesus. Ezekiel 14 talks about this. The people come to Ezekiel and they, or God comes to Ezekiel and he says, Hey, these people, these people, they're coming to me and they're inquiring of me, but they've set up these idols in their hearts. And he asked Ezekiel, what should I do about it? It's a rhetorical question because God ultimately answers the question. He goes, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll answer them according to the idols of their heart. In other words, if there's an idol in the heart, you're going to hear God through that idol. That doesn't sound like a good thing, does it? You're going to hear God through that idol. Like if I've got an idol in my heart where I want a, I don't know. I want a Harley Davidson. All right? Now, if my desire in my heart is no longer about prayer and submitting it to God, but it's about this desire that keeps growing because I want a Harley Davidson really bad, I can actually pray about it and I'll hear God according to that Harley Davidson. Why? Because it's coming through that filter of that idol. Hello? And you'll be amazed what you can hear. God told me I can have one. There's a big difference between hearing God say, this is what I want for you, and hearing God say, do you want that? Go ahead. You hear what I'm saying? There's a big difference. I want to know what God has for me. Now, I know God wants to give me all kinds of things. I know someday I'll have a Harley Davidson. I know that eventually. But that can't be the thing that I pray to God about. You hear what I'm saying? He speaks to us in a language that we can understand. And if we're not understanding it, it's because we've put something above him. But he wants to communicate. I say it again. He wants to communicate. He's communicating all the time. He's speaking all the time. The next part is valuing the prophetic word. Value the prophetic. I don't know that we've gotten to that point yet where we value the prophetic enough. I want to value the prophetic even more. I need to value the prophetic even more. Matthew 10, 41 says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet receives a what? Prophet's reward. What is the prophet's reward? Hmm. Because if I receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, then I get the prophet's reward. It makes you want to go, what is the reward? What is the prophet's reward? They hear God. They hear God. In other words, if a prophet comes into the mix and they start to speak, then I fully receive them. Then I get what he gets, which is the ability to hear God. You know, it's the same picture that happened to Jesus when he showed up on the scene. The disciples wanted to know what he was talking about. And they're leaning in and they're going, yeah, I want to hear, I want to hear. And you know what? They ultimately got it. It's the ones who were like, had problems with Jesus. That's why he spoke in parables. And he even told them that. He goes, I speak in parables and you understand them, but they don't. And I don't want them to understand it. 
You get it because you're leaning in to get it. You have a high value for who I am as a person. I was talking about this last week. I don't know that I've developed it all that well. When there's someone who operates in the office of a prophet, if they're around and you really want to start to hear from the Lord, what you need to do is come up to them as much as close as you can and start listening, paying very close attention to what's going on with the voice of the prophet. Why? It's like coming under the soda fountain. And you put it under there, and if you want Dr. Pepper, you've got to get under the Dr. Pepper spout. You don't get under the Mountain Dew spout. If you, want a, if you want a pastor, get under that spout. If you want a prophet, get under that spout. But you have to recognize, we have to recognize that if we're going to get the prophet's reward, which is hearing God, we have to honor the prophet. I'm waiting for the prophet to rise up even in our house. I have friends who are prophetic people. One of them is going to come speak here at the end of the month. It's going to be awesome. Eric Gilmore. He's going to come. We're going to bring him back. He's going to light this place on fire. That kid is crazy, man. Scares me. But that's what prophets do. (laughs) Prophets have the tendency to scare you. He's going to come in and he's going to bring the heat, but he's wonderful. You guys are going to love him. It's like Moses. Moses didn't hear the voice of the Lord. He saw the bush, right? The bush burning. But he didn't hear the voice of the Lord until he said, and this is what it says. I will turn aside and see why this bush is burning but isn't consumed. And when he turned aside to go see it, then he heard the voice of the Lord. This is honoring the prophet. This is the prophet's reward, receiving the prophet in the name of a prophet. Testing spirits. When we hear the prophetic, testing spirits is very important. Look over at John, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We need to know not every voice that we hear is from God, right? Not every voice we hear is from God. This is why it's so important to have this approach of God anything, anytime, anywhere. I'm not just saying it. I'm giving you permission to speak to me because he'll blow right through an idol. He'll blow right through something. If I give him permission and I say nothing's more important than you. I don't want to just say that. I don't want to give lip service to him. I got to say it, but I have to live it. Nothing is more important than you. And if I find my thoughts being consumed by something more than I'm consumed by him, then I'm letting something get in front of him. Not everything we hear is the voice of God. 1 John 4. Beloved. Is this us? Beloved? Okay, beloved. This is us. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I love this. I love this. I love this. Because there's a lot of people who don't believe in prophecy anymore. And they'll talk about passages like this. And they'll use false prophets all the time. Well, if you're talking about a false prophet and you're saying that everybody who speaks as a prophet is a false prophet because prophets don't exist anymore. Doesn't that intimate that if there's a false prophet, there has to be a true one? And if false prophets have gone out into the world, then that means there's got to be true ones somewhere. Right? Not everybody who's a prophet is a false prophet. So somebody's got to be a true prophet. But he says, test them. Test them. Not every. Every spirit, test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. And he says this, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. That sounds scary, doesn't it? We, use, we hear words like Antichrist and we go, ooh, it's the Antichrist. Who's the Antichrist? Listen, the Antichrist that he's talking about here is not necessarily an individual that will rise up. He's talking about Antichrist. The Christ is anointing. That's what Christ means. Anti-anointing. 
It's talking about any prophetic word that is not coming from the mouth of God. It's coming from somewhere else. Now, we have to be careful because those voices not only come into our heads, but they can also come through other well-meaning people. Let me just say this. I want everybody to hear me. Everybody looking at me. Okay? I want prophecy to flow like water. And I'm willing to even let it get messy. Here's the thing. We are responsible for the prophetic word we release out of our mouth. doesn't mean we have to be perfect. I want to make room for us to get things wrong because we have to learn. Right? It's what 1 Corinthians 14 said. I just read it. That you all prophesy so that you all may learn. I want everybody to prophesy. We, but we are responsible for what comes out of our mouth. But listen, if I give a prophetic word to Lynn, Lynn is just as responsible with that prophetic word as I am. She is responsible to take whatever is resonating in her heart. What is the Lord really saying about that? Is this making sense? It's, it's, it's incredibly important that we understand this, that any time a prophetic word is released and it comes to you, you get a prophetic word, you are just as responsible for that prophetic word as the person who released it. Why is it like that? Because if it's not, if we're trying to stand in a place of protecting people so that no prophetic words go out, you know what will happen? Nor no bad prophetic words go out, you know what will happen? No prophetic words will go out. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live like that. That's why we have what we have here with this open mic. And you'll even notice that what we... I don't know if you guys remember this. We talked about it a while back. We have checkpoints within the room for people you can go to. Andy and Danielle, Jocelyn. We have a few people around here. Joe and Diane. Some others that aren't here. But Lynn. But here's the thing. Are these people there to be the high and mighty to say what can and can't go? No. As a matter of fact, those people are there. And when they have a prophetic word, they even go to somebody else. Why are we doing that? Because we're looking for precision. We're looking for what God is doing in the room. And I'm willing to let things go out. And they may not hit perfectly, but it's okay. That's how we learn, right? Does this sound okay to you guys? This is what we're after. We're after what is the Lord saying. We're after precision. What is God doing? Remember what we said last week about the, about the prophetic word. It either tells you the future or it causes the future. If the prophetic word is released here in the church, it could cause us to move into a different direction that was just... We had no idea, but God just showed up and he said, this is the direction I have you going. Come on, this is good, isn't it? Here's a clue for you. You might not have known this, but I stand up here an awful lot of times and have no idea what I'm doing. It's true. It's very true. There's times where I'm, it happened partially this morning where I'm standing here. I have no idea what to do. I hope that doesn't weird you out. Like I'm not driving the bus or something and we're going to crash. It's, it's not like that. It's. I just know in my own humanity, I don't always get it. All I know is he's good. He's absolutely good. And if we trust him, he's going to take us into good places. What am I looking for when I'm standing there and I've got that deer in the headlights look and I don't know what we're doing? I'm I'm looking for the prophetic. That's what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm waiting to see. Is that word going to come? Is that word going to come that's going to take us in that direction? This is why it's important for us to recognize you can hear the Lord. You all can hear the Lord. Do you all know that? Everybody say, I can hear the Lord. I can hear the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Say it again. I can hear the Lord. As much as anything else, you're repositioning your insides right now. Say it again. I can hear the Lord. Good. Good. Now here's what I want. I want you to start releasing it. Come on. Did it just get unsafe in here? <laughs> I want you to start releasing it. It's okay. It really is okay. When you go to prophesy to someone, if you feel like you've got a word for an individual, 
one of the best things to do is just simply go to them and say, listen, I feel like I got something from the Lord for you. I'm going to submit this to you. You see what resonates. Okay? If it doesn't, you know, trash can it. But if it does, just you hold on to this, okay? There are things people have said to me that didn't resonate with me, but I don't totally throw them away. I just kind of hold on to them a little bit and go, oh, I don't know about that, but I won't forget it. Why? Because God could be wanting to bring something. Is this making sense? God could be wanting to bring something to me. The, prop, the prophetic is so, so important. I said last week, I'll repeat it again. Of all the gift mixes, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4, prophecy and prophet is the only one that's mentioned in all three. This should tell us there's something really, really important about this. We have to have a high level of value for it. That way, when it comes, we're able to hear it. John chapter 12. Turn back to that for a minute. John chapter 12. This is a neat story. You guys still with me? John chapter 12. Good. Three of you. The rest of you can go. John chapter 12, verse 20. There were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Now, you see what's happening here. There's Greeks. There's people coming for a feast. The feast that the Jewish people had. If they weren't Jewish, they were called proselytes. So you have Greeks who are coming, they're proselytes, they're coming to the feast because they bought into this Judaism thing. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus said to them, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Now, you see what's happening here. You see this complete abandonment of self to say, God, whatever you want to do. Okay? Now, watch what happens. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. What am I getting at right here? It's important for us to have this attitude of hunger and desire to hear the prophetic because when the voice of God comes, oftentimes we'll either hear it for what he's saying or we'll call it thunder or we'll call it whatever when it's really the voice of God. Is this making sense? He heard it. He heard the voice of God. I really do believe had they been in tune and not been distracted by other things, they would have heard what he was hearing. Because God spoke. He spoke and said, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. It's pretty clear language. If our value for the prophetic is heightened, I believe we hear the Lord better rather than just putting it off into that made that sound over there or this happened over here. One of the things I really want to see us in, the, in our church and in the greater church, especially the charismatic church, is get away from the cryptic charismatic. And what I mean by that is this. People giving prophetic words that really don't help me very much. It's, it's almost as if it's so cryptic, God doesn't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's much better to say, and this is just for me. There's not, I'm going to give you an example of it. Oftentimes, God speaks with me with, to me with pictures. I'll see people and I'll get pictures over their life. I don't know what it means. 
And if I just release the picture, it may confuse them more than help them. But what I do is I release what he gives me. If I see a picture over someone's life, I'll say the picture. And more times than not, as I'm saying what I'm seeing, all of a sudden the revelation comes and it follows. Is this making sense? But like we said last week, if you get a picture or you get something from God, say what it is. Trust him for more. But at the same time, when he stops talking, you stop talking. Don't get a picture and then try to give your own private interpretation of that. And I think this means this for you. Or using the prophetic to try to bring correction to someone because you recognize something maybe a little off. And so instead of actually having a conversation and saying, hey, brother, this thing you're doing right there, that's a pretty bad case of stupid. Don't do that. Or we ca- and instead of doing that, we'll come and we'll couch it in the, yeah, I feel like the Lord is showing me that there's a, there's a rope around you and it's twisted like this. And I saw a snake come down this way and something. I'm just really warning you. God's warning you about something here. You hear what I'm saying, right? <laughs> instead of just directly saying, bro, I'm sensing something right here. And here's what I'm sensing. You're messing with some stuff you shouldn't be messing with, bro. Let's stop that. Call it insight, call it word of wisdom, call it word of knowledge, but don't couch it in prophecy. How about we just get real with each other? Got these words that go out. I've had people give me words that are so cryptic. I'm like, I, 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 that's not even my language. I don't even know what that means right there. God will speak to you in a language you can understand, but it's our responsibility to communicate to others in a language they can understand. So bring what you've got. But at the same time, pray for more revelation on it. And if you don't have it, then you don't have it. I've seen pictures before where I've, I just started with it and I didn't go anywhere. God gave me a picture one time where I saw somebody wearing some clothes and they had a zipper up and down their back. And I said, I see this picture of a zipper. It's up and down your back. I don't know what it is. Now, I didn't even have to get a revelation on what that meant. Immediately, they knew what it was. But I didn't try to interpret it. Does this make sense? Be okay with that. That's how the prophetic can work sometimes. Sometimes it will come out a little bit cryptic, but if you just hear and say what God is saying, it'll make sense to them. And trust it. Don't try to interpret it. Testing the spirits. Not everything we hear is from God. Not everything we hear is from God. There are different voices we can hear. We can hear our own spirit because it's been made alive in Jesus, right? We can hear the Holy Spirit, but we also have the ability to hear evil spirits. Those aren't good. People ask me sometimes when I'm teaching at different schools, they'll ask me sometimes, Andrew, tell, you know, we'll talk about the demonic. Have you ever had a demonic experience? And I'm like, yeah, I have. I had some pretty crazy demonic experiences. Sleeping in a bunk bed one time, I felt my bunk bed being pulled on from the bottom. It felt like there, it was really weird. And I mean, it's getting pulled on and it's like, I'm starting to get freaked out. And I look around the room and I see these black figures flying around the room. One of them lands up in the corner. And I'm not, I'm not dreaming. This is not the pizza I ate. I mean, this is full on full-on demonic activity in the room and people are like "Ooh, really you saw that stuff happen yeah i felt the temperature change in the room i felt like oh doesn't that scare you and i said yeah it did scare me a little bit but those aren't the ones that scare me those aren't the demons that scare me because those are low-level demons those are low-level non they're they're just show-offs they're posers those aren't the demons that scare me the demons that scare me the most are the ones that i can't see but they talk to me in my mind and i think it's me talking those are the ones that scare me Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. That's why. If our awareness becomes more about him, that's why he says, test the spirits. Test the spirits. If it confesses Jesus is Christ, then that he came in the flesh. That's God. This is not meant to be something where if somebody gives you a prophetic word and you're going, I don't know if that's right. Do you believe Jesus came in the flesh? 
That's not what that's intended to be. You're going to give me a prophetic word? Okay, I'm going to test it. Did Jesus come in the flesh? I've seen this passage of scripture used like that. What he's doing is he's saying, listen, you have to recognize, you have to recognize the anointing on the person of Jesus. And the anointing is not just some spiritual thing. It's earthly as well. It has earthly meaning to it. Is this making sense? He came in the flesh. He, Jesus has divinity, but his coming in the flesh is of utmost importance to us. The very incarnation of Jesus himself, just the fact that he came in the form of a baby onto this planet changed everything. It was no longer about this God is spirit and it's up here anymore. It brought something in between the two and it brought heaven and earth so close together. So when it's saying test the spirits, it's saying, does this going to have some kind of practical application in my life? Hello? I'm only talking in just a piece of this. Is this going to have some earthly application in what's going on here in my life? It should. If we're really truly spiritual people, then we will have the most earthly impact than we, have, than we ever possibly could have. You ever heard the saying, oh, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? You ever heard that saying? They're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Well, they're not heavenly minded then. They're wacky. They're weird. They talk about spiritual things, but if it's not translating into transformation on this planet, then it's not really heavenly minded because heaven is so wonderful and so perfect. It has everything, and we should be bringing that to this planet. So it should be changing something. Hello, is that making sense? Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Second Peter 1. Turn over there and I'm going to be done. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm hoping this is helping you guys. <laughs> Second Peter 1. We need each other. We need each other so bad. Second Peter 1. forgot where it is oh yeah second peter chapter one verse 16 we'll start there for we did not follow cunning devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of the lord jesus christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty for he received from god the father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from this from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased and we heard this voice why did they hear the voice? They're receiving the prophet and they're getting the prophet's reward. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Oh, yeah, that's good. I want the morning star to arise in my heart. Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For no prophecy, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is why we need each other. I said the first thing, the most dangerous people on the planet are Christians who aren't madly in love with Jesus and try to interpret Scripture based on that. The next most dangerous people on the planet are not the people who walk around getting, giving prophetic words that are off a little bit. Those aren't dangerous people. Because we all have a responsibility to take it and go, what am I going to do with this, right? The most, the most dangerous ones are people who hear the Lord on their own. 
If you hear the Lord, great. If you're hearing the Lord about, hey, I'm supposed to turn left here and start to turn right, that's great. I'm not saying you need to get on the phone and call your friend. Hey, I'm hearing God. He says turn left. Should I do it? <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being in the store and God tells you to go down aisle three instead of aisle two. I'm talking about these things where we hear from the Lord, but it sets in motion things in our life that make drastic changes. Hello? No prophecy is a private interpretation. Yeah, you hear the Lord, but you don't hear everything. I've had to learn the hard way on this, guys. I hear the Lord, and I hear him pretty clear. But whenever I've heard the Lord, and I think that I'm hearing him pretty clear, and I set things into motion, especially if they have an effect on the people around me, oh, man. You know why? Because the Lord also speaks to my wife. Hello? She, he also speaks to my wife. And if he speaks to my wife and he speaks to me, then don't you think it would be a good idea for us to get together and maybe talk about this? God's speaking something to me a couple of weeks ago. He talked to me about doing something, that I'm supposed to do something that's pretty big. And it's going to have ramifications to it. Now, everything inside of me just is, I'm, I'm ready. I'm like, come on, God, let's do this thing. I'm ready to go with it. But, oh, man, you think I'm going to do that without talking to my wife? No way. This works for single people as well, by the way. And remember what I said at the beginning, that he turns the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, and this is all about the spirit of Elijah the prophet coming? We need generational input. If you're hearing the Lord, you need generational input. If you hear the Lord and say, la, 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 boom, I'm off to go do this thing right there without getting input on it, man, you're setting yourself up to go around the mountain over and over and over and over again. Hello? We need each other. This thing we talk about, family, as much as anything else, guys, what I want to see is not people just palling around. What I want to see people doing is understanding what generational ministry really looks like. Some of you young women grabbing a hold of Lynn, saying, I need some input. Grabbing a hold of a Diane and a Joe, saying, I need some input on my life. Because me, the way I'm wired, if people aren't asking me, I'm not giving questions. I'm not giving answers to questions they're not asking. I've had people do that before. They've come to me and they've said, one month they're here at this church and they're saying, man, God has told me to be here. This is so great. This is wonderful. I'm like, great. That's awesome. This is really good. Then a few months later, come to me and say, yeah, God's calling me over here. I'm not going to say, well, wait a minute. You, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, okay, why? I'm not asking questions. Is this making sense? We need each other. It's good and it's healthy to say, I'm hearing the Lord on this, but I think I need somebody to round me out a little bit. There might be something I'm not catching here. We need to know this. It's okay, guys. It's okay. We just don't hear everything. That's why we need to be the body. The more I get to talk with people that I know and trust, I hear more fully. You can tell that we're getting kind of packed in here, and it gets a little difficult, not so much today, but last week and a couple of weeks before, the kids were like sardines in that room in there. I don't like that. We've got to start looking for some other place to go. I'm getting visions of stuff. Literally, visions of places. But am I going to be unilateral and make decision on what we do with that on my own? Absolutely not. Why? It has ramifications to it. Before I put things into motion, I want to talk about with people that I know are smart. Because I'm not a smart man. <laughs> but I do know what love is. <laughs> Sorry. Listen to this story. A banker who had reached the age of retirement, was about to be replaced by a young man. 
Upon his, upon his arrival to take the helm from his predecessor, he asked the older man how he became successful. The man replied, good decisions. Well, how do you make good decisions, the young man asked. Experience, the banker replied. The young man thought for a moment and then inquired, how do you get good experience? And with a warm smile, aged with wisdom, he replied, bad decisions. Mistakes are going to happen. We're going to hear the Lord. We're going to miss it. But in the context of a loving community, because that's his first primary language, in the context of a loving community, they just don't have to be as painful and severe. That's all there is to it. I'm not, I'm not against anything. I'm all for. I'm all for everybody. Let's all move into our prophetic future. Let's all move. But I just, I just don't like seeing it when I see people do things, and it just gets them in a lot of trouble and a lot of pain. I'm like... Come on, we don't have to do that. Is this making sense to you guys? All right, everybody stand with me here. All right, Lord. Jesus. Man, I just had a picture of something. Here it is. <laughs> I had a picture of us with the prophetic that you're, you and I are fishing. And we're trying to catch something. And what we're trying to catch is the word of the Lord, right? Anybody in here fish? Anybody in here never been fishing before? Oh, everybody has it, some of them. Does anybody do it and they know what they're doing? Let me see your hand. A few, okay, I do. I kind of know what I'm doing when I fish. Part of learning how to fish is to recognize when something's biting. Paying very close attention to it. it the rod has a feel in your hand. And it depends on what you're fishing for. The rod has a certain feel in your hand. And when you feel something on the end of it, you recognize it. I can recognize it in my finger and my thumb whenever I'm fishing. And if we're fishing for the prophetic, I know this analogy breaks down at some point, but stay with me for a minute. If we're fishing for the prophetic because we want that precision, precise word of the Lord, then we have to understand what it feels like. I've been out fishing with people. We're using the same types of reels and rod. We're using the same type of bait or lure. And I can catch fish, and they won't catch fish. Why is it? I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like when it comes in. When I, when I feel that little bitty tug, and I know when to wait, and I know when to pull on it, and I know when to wait for it. This is making sense. It's kind of like that with the prophetic, guys. You won't catch it all the time. I won't catch it all the time, but it's learning to catch it. It's learning to catch those words and saying, okay, I got, it. I got a little one here. <laughs> That's good. I got a big one here. I, I just want us all to catch these things. There's something about that, whatever that picture is, what means for you. So it's just, Lord, give us that. Lord, show, show us how to, in our spirits, recognize when you're tugging, when you're pulling, when you're releasing something to us, when there's an additional weight that lands on us, Lord, because you're putting something on us to do for ourselves or for somebody else, Lord. Speak, speak, Lord. We say to you, as Eli told Samuel, speak, your servant hears. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. We want to hear your voice, Lord. It's not for our own gain, Lord. It's for this church. It's for the body of Christ to grow into a body that looks more like Jesus, that is more in the shape of the head, where the body is direct proportions to that, Lord, where we start to see the world around us receive prophetic utterances that call out their destinies and bring them into the future that you have for them. I'm just declaring right now exponential salvations throughout the city exponential salvations that get released through the church. Not because we did a big conference, 
but because the church is waking up. They're hearing prophetically what's going on. And I just say, I'm declaring that more healings are getting released too. More healings getting released. Ah, Jesus. You guys want it? You want to go with me? We're going together with this? We're going to do it, right? Gosh, I've got about half of you. Man. Yeah. Do you want to go with me? Yes. Okay. Are you ready to be uncomfortable? Because yes. I can guarantee it, you can take that to the bank. You're going to be uncomfortable. How about we risk it? That's what we're called to. Risk. Risk. Faith. That's what faith is. Faith really is risk. <laughs> it's a risk. Lord, I want it. I want it. I want it for us. I want it for this city, Lord. We just declare it. We receive it, Lord. Begin to speak in utterances to us that are clear, crystal clear, that just bring transformation to us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.